And now, deep thoughts. You are listening to the Deep Thoughts Podcast, where we explore one aspect of the Christian faith a little more deeply. I am your host, Matt Schantz, and this is it, the final episode in season one. Thank you so much for listening. I especially want to thank those of you who don't just fast forward to the last five minutes of every episode to hear final thoughts, but that stick it out with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, Also, stay tuned. Uh, Check back next week for a bonus episode that will uh, both reflect back on season one and give you a sneak peek at what's coming up in season two. So we are going to conclude season one with this, this doubt of faith regarding the church. Like, is church even important? Thanks for joining me. Let's get started. I think this question about whether or not church is important or that it matters, I think it actually really stems a lot from the previous doubts we talked about in this season, right? We, we started by saying that everybody doubts, but that the church doesn't always feel like a safe place to not have it all together. So, you, you know, you have doubts, really everybody does at points, if not always, or if you feel plagued by doubts and you go to church and you feel like it's not a place where you're allowed to, to have those, right? It can push you to asking the question, like, is church even important? Then we talked about the reality of evil and suffering in the world. And we acknowledge that sometimes it feels like Jesus doesn't care. Sometimes it feels like the church hasn't cared well for us as we've suffered. And so those experiences can, can harden our hearts towards Jesus And those kinds of experiences can harden our hearts towards the church, leading us to ask, is church even important? And then we talked about the relationship of science and the Bible and this narrative. We're being told that those are mutually exclusive categories that no thinking person would believe the Bible. So we question the role of faith and church in our lives. And we're aware that there are many religions in the world. So when when Jesus feels distant, life is overwhelming us, and church feels not so much like a delight, but more of a duty, we wonder if Christianity is really just one of many paths to God at best, or just another fairy tale at worst. Then there are the injustices that have taken place throughout church history, and those can make us really uncomfortable and make us untrusting of the church as an institution. Man, I don't know if I want to be latched onto that, attached to that. Look at its history. And finally, we talked about hypocrisy. And I am nearly certain that you or someone you know has had a negative experience in the church, which is just sad. But it, And if you haven't, like if you haven't, had a negative experience in the church, then I can only assume that that you just haven't been in church long enough, which is really sad. So it's no wonder then that that this doubt about whether church matters, whether it's important, whether we really need to be a part of it if you follow Jesus, how that becomes such a key kind of doubt 
question. Not to mention, not to mention, on top of all the reasons I just listed, like it can feel straight-laced. It can feel boring. There can be a lot better options on a Sunday morning, on your weekend or something that you feel like, I don't know if I want to do that. I'd rather sleep in or like, I don't think I can get all the kids ready on time. That's too stressful because we just kind of wonder, man, is church even really important? I want to start with an old dead guy because, uh, I get, you know, it's a good way to go sometimes. Charles Spurgeon called the Prince of Preachers, preached in the 1800s in London, England. He said, I believe that every Christian ought to be joined to some visible church. That is his plain duty, according to the scriptures. God's people are not dogs, else they might go about one by one, but they are sheep and therefore they should be in flocks. Now, I know there are some who say, well, I hope I have given myself to the Lord, but I do not intend to give myself to any church because now why not? Spurgeon cuts him off because I can be a Christian without it. And Spurgeon again says, now, are you quite clear upon that? You can be as good a Christian by disobedience to your Lord's commands as by being obedient? Well, suppose everybody else did the same. Suppose all Christians in the world said, I shall not join the church. Why, there would be no visible church. There would be no ordinances, that's communion, baptism. That would be a very bad thing. And yet, one doing it, what is right for one is right for all. Why should not all of us do it? Then you believe that if you were to do an act which has a tendency to destroy the visible church of God, you would be as good a Christian as if you did your best to build up that church? I do not believe it, sir, nor do you either. So that is Spurgeon's straightforward rebuttal to somebody who would say, "Ah, I follow Jesus, but I don't need the church. He's like, if everybody took that mindset, there would be no visible church, and the church would look nothing like the scriptures say, the script, you know, and on and on and on it goes. Now, I think kind of a modern question is, you know, when we think about, is church important? I think we really are kind of asking sometimes, like, is it really important I go to that Christian lecture with all those people I don't know? I think that's what's really being said in the question of is church even important? It's this, this is one of the ways I think we've got it wrong, right? Church is a lecture, this is this assumption, like I will go and I will sit and I will hear the sermon or I will, I will receive information. And I will do that with, with people I don't know or with, you know, strangers. And so it, it leads us to kind of think, if I'm not entertained, I won't go. Or if I'm just supposed to sit there, I won't go. And and when, so when the church kind of starts with that wrong premise out of the gate, it often leads to, you know, uh, poor outcomes. So when the church becomes a place to go and consume something instead of a people to join and contribute something, Christians only see their absence on Sunday affecting them. But, but we're not supposed to be passive spectators on the sidelines. We're actually meant to be active participants in the family of God, right? So we plug in and we're known and we contribute. Um, 
Charles Spurgeon was talking already about sheep and uh, as, as the metaphor, and that's a metaphor in the scriptures. Every time there's a mention of sheep, it's actually a reference to local congregations, and the sheep have a shepherd. Sometimes pastors are referred to as shepherds. Jesus is the great shepherd, the good shepherd. But there's also another metaphor for the church in the Bible, and it's a family metaphor, that we're the household of God, we're his family, we're his children. And that actually makes us in the church brothers and sisters in Christ. And in heaven, we will dwell with the redeemed, perfected family forever. And so, I think a helpful question when you, when you, if you, if you read the Bible and you read about the church and you see that they're local people who actually know each other and get together, and the metaphor for a church, I think the dominant one is about the family. I think a helpful question to ask ourselves is, are you becoming more and more like family with your church? One of the reasons I think it's a helpful metaphor is because, you know, sometimes family's hard. <laughs> and we've acknowledged it already here. And sometimes church is hard, right? It can be lonely. You can be going through suffering. People can rub you the wrong way. They can make the wrong comment. They can maybe be more too assertive or they can maybe not be as friendly as you'd like and on and on and on it goes. But I think our greatest challenge in the church is also our greatest opportunity. It's, it's to live like the deepest of family, to support one another with a tenacious commitment, right? We have the deepest bond imaginable. We have Jesus in common. And at the end of the day, that, that really is enough. Um, there's some significant things when, when uh, um, the scriptures talk about what the church is, um, one of the things about it that, that's significant is it's the gathering where God most clearly makes his presence known, where he most clearly makes his presence felt. And this is different than what happened in the Old Testament in the Bible, right? There's a, just to give a little Old Testament history lesson on the presence of God, right? There's this, there's this man named Jacob, and he, he met with God at Bethel, which literally means house of God. And so Jacob saw a stairway to heaven there, and this, you know, this great song was written about it. Uh, but, and then, but in that story, Jacob exclaimed, surely the Lord is in this place. What an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God, right? And that became the place named Bethel, God's city, city where God dwells. And then to Moses, God gives instructions regarding the building of the tabernacle. And God says, they are to make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. And then regarding uh, the temple built in Jerusalem by King Solomon, it was this place where God chose to dwell and manifesting his presence to his people in a particular location. But this change, this radical change takes place in the New Testament where there's no special city, no tabernacle, no temple where God dwells. Instead, God now dwells with his people. So the Apostle Paul said to the church in Corinth, we are the sanctuary of the living God. And he said to the church in Ephesus, you are being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. Like that's, that's huge, significant stuff. We are the dwelling place of the living God. So because God dwells in us, when we come together, it's as the church of the living God. So the church gathered make up this dynamic assembly of the living God. And in this context, God does like really significant spiritual ministry among us. 
A theologian named Kent Hughes put it this way, here's how this works. Listening to the word of God alone is a good thing. And to to sing to God alone is also a good thing. But singing to God together and hearing his word preached together is better. Our hearing and singing intensifies when we are with brothers and sisters in whom God also dwells. I wonder if you if you found that to be true. If you have any experience of church, if you have found that corporate that 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 gathering significant in that way in your own spirit. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said, "At home in my own house there is no warmth or vigor in me." But in the church, when the multitude is gathered together, fire is kindled in my heart and it breaks its way through. I mean, this is exactly why the word of God is adamant that the people of God meet together. No substitutes, right? Because it's not just information. Oh, I can just listen to that in a sermon podcast and catch up on it later. But it's not just information, And it's not just singing worship songs. Oh, I'll just put on an album. I'll just listen. I'll just sing along to that. It's not just those things. These miss the point of the dynamic work God wants to do in and through you in the gathering, whether it's the large gathering, like church on Sunday kind of thing, or the small gathering, like a home group kind of study kind of thing, a big church, a small church, Sunday, midweek. It's just the gathering of his people together. So there's a pretty famous verse in in the book of Hebrews that says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. near." Now, Hebrews was written at the time uh, that the Roman Emperor Nero was persecuting Christians. He would literally burn Christians on stakes as lanterns in his gardens. Um, And so because of that kind of persecution, there was a measure of fear about meeting together for church, right? But nonetheless, the writer of Hebrews urges the church not to give up meeting together. He's like, go, not because you feel like it, but because you should go expecting to stir others up and encourage them and vice versa and be in the presence of God and hear God speak and give God praise together. Uh, Francis Chan, I like the way he said it. He's like, church has to be less like going to the movies and more like going to the gym. Right? When we kind of have a posture of, you know, church as going to the movies, it's, I will go, now entertain me. Right? You'd better put on a good thing for me, and I will critique it, and I'll love it, or I'll hate it. Right? That's kind of going to the movies. But going to the gym, you, you expect to work yourself. You expect to participate. I mean, so I've heard about the gym. But, but when you go and you think of the church like the gym... Right? It's like, man, I'm going to church. What does that mean? It doesn't mean I'm a spectator like I'm watching a movie. It's like I'm going to the gym. I'm praying with others, encouraging others, having faith discussions, sharpening each other, equipping each other, serving in the community together, helping one another become deeper disciples of Jesus and loving each other, right? Someone my wife and I know said church is like a gas station. I like that as well, right? This idea that that, that we live for Jesus all week long, 
but we can kind of go off course if we were to just kind of be out in our own neighborhoods and out at our own jobs and schools and doing our own thing. Like we need to, you know, on that rhythm of when it's time, in the context of the church, the weekly gathering, the context of taking your car, what depends what you drive and how much you drive. But it's like, church is like going to the gas station, this idea that we come together and we're encouraged, um, we're built up, we're, 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 we're meeting in the presence of God and that presence is felt and it kind of reinvigorates and then you're sent back out into your little sphere, into your little world. So, so because the church is the place where God lives and dwells and manifests his presence, right? Us considering how significant that makes our weekly gatherings, church gatherings, Jesus among us. I think, I think these are some things that really help us um, answer the question of whether or not church is important. Uh, really practically speaking, I think actually really your involvement in the life of the local church, if you follow Jesus, it is really important. And now if you're exploring faith in Jesus, I think I think going to church is, is going to be huge as well, because I think you'll experience some ways in which God will make his presence known to you. Um, that would be really helpful. But for followers of Jesus, I, mean, I think like the church is for your good. It's going to build truth into you and it's going to be encouraging to you. It's going to bless you. People are going to support you, care about you. Um, hopefully, ideally, be the kind of community you could not get anywhere else. But not only is it for your good like that, the reverse happens and you exist for the good of others. And, and that is an amazing thing, knowing, man, I have a role to play. I have someone to encourage. I have someone to bless. I have someone to pray for. I have someone to practically, oh, they just had a baby. We're going to, I should send them a meal this week. I should do this for them or whatever it might be, right? They're going through a hard thing. Like I want to step in and be a support to them, all of that kind of stuff, right? And I think it's actually helpful, um, in the sense of, of kind of to the outside community as well. I think it's for the good of those outside of the church that they can look in and say, oh, those people love Jesus. They're in on this thing together. Look at the meaningful work they're doing in the community. They care about it. They love us actually better than anybody else. Like these are the ideals that are meant to happen. And, and, and what they're meant to see is a powerful statement of commitment in the midst of low commitment culture. Unfortunately, sometimes low commitment culture trickles into the church and we embody that. But that's not the call of the scriptures to us. It's not the call of Jesus to us. I think that's when we're mixed up in the question of whether or not church is important. And like Charles Spurgeon said, I think we're left with an adamant yes. Now, my final thought. This is the last final thoughts of season one. Okay, cool. Emily. Nice. Yeah, I definitely have some thoughts on church. Um, I didn't grow up going to church regularly, but I grew up in Abbotsford. So heard a lot of talk about church, was regularly asked what church I went to sometimes felt like church was you church attendance was used as currency um so i always you know had kind of made a commitment to myself that i wasn't ever going to attend such 
a circus. So just a really good experience with the church, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have anything super glaring or negative, but I think just for my personality and, like, I don't know. I just, yeah, I definitely, you know, I had a couple positive experiences for sure, going to youth group and stuff like that with a friend. Um, but, yeah, in general, I have kind of committed to uh, church not being a part of my life. And so, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and I, You've got some things to say about this one, I think. Yeah, I do, because I still, I just want to speak to you that I still feel, I still have a hard time with church a lot of the time. Um, and I say that not to discourage people, because I know that there's a lot of people that do feel all of that, like, oh, I look forward to Sunday, this is my day, I feel at home, this is my family. I know that that's true for a lot of people, and I'm so thankful for that. But I also know that there's a lot of people that struggle, and therefore leave, and I just have so much, or come, and are just, it's their least favorite part of the week, and I have so much empathy for that and I think part of the problem is the narrative that we use about church that it should feel like heaven and family and we like I get those principles but when it doesn't feel that way for people they're like oh this must not be right yeah I think those are like the biblical ideal yes. of what it's meant to be but to impose that as if that's exactly what's happening in our context is a little bit like Oh, if this is what heaven's like, this is kind of like cheesy and no, thank lame. you. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think, so that's part of the tension is the Bible. The Bible describes it that way, but it doesn't like like many things in Scripture. It doesn't always feel that way. Totally. And our job, or I think the job of Christians and the job of the church, is to mitigate some of that truth with the reality that we live in like so many other things here's what the truth says here's this huge gap of where we are now and how do we hold the truth but you know have space and empathy and room for things that don't line up because I feel like the narrative like the things that I hear or that I have heard it's you know like, oh, this is just so great. I love it. And so part of that, too, is then people, when they are attending church or seeking church, for sure, find your benchmark things that are really important and don't waver on those and find a place that meets your needs. But if we're focused on, like, you know, it feeling like you've come home and, like, it's your family, which sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't, then we're contributing to this kind of consumer, transient yeah, right. church Anyways, so, yeah, I just, that's a little bit of my history of church, and, yeah, and I only say this, that is still hard for me now, because I hope that it will be, like, ah, a sigh of relief to other people that find it challenging. Like, I have a really hard time with, you know, the big screen, um, and, like, any kind of theatrics or I have a really hard time with the jargon I have a hard time with and it's also just overwhelming like the foyer is overwhelming I I find a lot of it do you like to fellowship and be yeah, yeah, yeah. life on life <laughs> no. and I also don't want to be critical because I know that for a lot of people yeah, yeah, yeah. it's great I just want to speak to the other side of the coin that I happen to be on which is that 
you know, it's really hard for me. And that's why I, there's so many areas of my faith and, um, there's so many areas of my faith that do give me that kind those feelings of like, oh, this is purposeful. I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm home. And for me, church isn't usually one of those areas, but that is part of why I'm reminded, you know, the root word of disciple is discipline. And so there are areas, as much as I don't like that, there are areas of our faith that require discipline. And as you know, oh, I really don't feel like going this morning. I don't want to go. And that doesn't mean that, you know, I go to church and I'm like, oh, I was so wrong. I'm so glad I went. Sometimes that's true. And sometimes I'm like, oh, that was really hard. I would have rather been doing, you know, a hundred different things than sitting listening to Matt talk again. (laughs) I don't know about that. Yeah. So this is just, you know, my, my final thought is really like from the heart, an encouragement to, it doesn't always feel good. And, you know, I'm not encouraging this sort of unhealthy old school, like grin and bear it and push through, but I am encouraging the reality of, you know, the other side of the coin, that it doesn't always need to feel like a slice of heaven. In fact, it can feel like the opposite and that's okay. And it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. Um, or your church, although maybe, maybe it does, but it just means that that's just part of, you know, part of what we're called to do. That was my final thought. Okay, so just so you're in the loop, this is the last episode of the first season, but then this next week sometime, we'll have just like a short episode where we're talking and we'll look back at all the highlights of the first season, Mm -hmm. of which there were many. Right. And then we'll look ahead at what's coming in season two and just... Just really sell it in such a way people oh, are gonna boy. Be, people are gonna be just they won't be able to wait. I won't be selling nothing. You're gonna need to really. I'm not a part of this. Tell them. Weird come up with thing. a list of ten no. reasons why they need to listen to season. Okay. Well, two. first of all, my mom is the main listener, and I talk to her every day, so she knows that season two is coming. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we don't need this bonus then. Maybe we don't. Okay, Liz. <laughs> Liz, season two is coming. We'll text you when it's out.